and um, give all the glory and honour him. We're going to hear from his word uh, now, and I'm reading from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 15. And remember I said that the, the theme of the service is really being close to God. You know, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. Uh, it was grace that led me safe thus far, and grace will lead me off home. Uh, God's got us on our journey, but he's got us for the whole journey. He doesn't leave us as orphans, he sends his spirit. He wants us to stay close to him, and he wants us to lead lives uh, that we can only lead, really, if we are close to him. The moment we start walking away, uh, it all gets a bit of a struggle, and we get a bit spiritually dry, and then we find ourselves in trouble. So I'm reading from John uh, chapter 15, uh, uh, actually 2, verse 17. Words of Jesus, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown up and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love one another. Can you imagine sitting there when Jesus said these words? You know, being in his presence physically. He assures us of his presence now, but physically seeing him. And he's saying these words and trying to understand the impact of them. And he knows that soon he's going to leave them physically. Uh, but he said already he's not going to leave them as orphans. He's going to send his spirit, the counsellor, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. Another one like him. And so we're not left as orphans. But we could ignore him. You know, I suppose when Jesus was talking, if I was there, I could get up and walk away and not listen. But he's warning them. Um, he's saying that this is, he's, he's, he's letting them know what they must do. He knows there's going to be troubled times ahead. And, and walking as a Christian uh, sometimes is easy. You know, good worship service, a good bit of teaching, and things are going well, and it's easy. And I find it easy to be a Christian in those times. But then there are times when you feel oppressed, or things aren't quite going the way you wanted them to go, and it's easy then to walk away. It's easy then to say, well, I'm not sure really God knows uh, what he's doing. And we can question things. There's a lot of distractions. Sometimes uh, distractions can come from friends. You know, friends uh, can be distracting, they can be good. 
as well, maybe family, stresses of life, work, home, uh, time. Time is precious. Uh, we don't have a lot of, um, uh, I suppose the modern term is downtime, as, as much as people used to. We're connected all the time, but time gets in the way. And all these things are distractions. And I'll tell you who loves all of that is the devil. He loves it. He loves distracting uh, me, and he loves distracting you. And I can get easily distracted. Um, I, I can wander off. Uh, I have a picture in my head sometimes like a firework. You know, there's bits going off everywhere. And sometimes I have to refocus and see Jesus and know him at the centre of, of my life. And the devil loves it when we don't do that. The devil loves it when we stray away and don't stay connected to him. Because he knows then when we stray away from him, we're not connected to effectively the, the power source. I am the true vine, Jesus said, and you are the branches. Uh, yet sometimes we act like it's the other way around. The branch is directing the vine. The fact is, if the branch falls off the, off the vine, it's dead. You know, the vine will carry on living. It's the vine that gives life to the branches, not the other way around. So we need to stay connected. We need to stay connected, don't we? We have to recognise the spiritual battle uh, we're in. Uh, the devil loves to isolate us and keep us on our own. I've said that before. But God has good ideas for us. He has good uh, things for us. Uh, even in the midst of suffering, he's always teaching us. And uh, as I say, there's one who loves it when, when myself or you is not close to God. Uh, he loves it when we're drawn away from him. We must stay close. And this is the essence of what Jesus is saying. I am the true vine. He points to himself. And, and that's what he's doing there is actually a, a significant statement. He's, point, he's letting them, the, his listeners know his true identity. When he says, I am the true vine in verse 1, uh, the vine was the symbol of Israel at that time. He's saying, I am the true Israel. I am the true vine. You know, Israel, were getting it, they were getting it mucked up and they're, they're getting things wrong and they were supposed to be a light to all nations. But Jesus is saying, no, I am the true vine. He points to himself, one of the great I ams. Uh, there was a golden vine that would trail over the temple uh, porch because people knew that Israel's uh, a, a symbol was of a true of a vine coinage that was minted in Israel at that time during the revolt against Rome, AD 68 to 70, would would bear a symbol of the vine on that coin. So we we know that it was uh, a symbol for Israel in the Old Testament, uh, Psalm 80 verse 8. Israel as the vine out of Egypt. So Israel's uh, identity was the vine. Jesus is now pointing to himself. So well, I'm the vine. I am the true vine. He's pointing to himself. He's saying, look, I am the one who gives life. All things are created by him, for him, through him. He's, he is the one who saves us uh, from the penalty of the things that we do wrong. He is the one who said, I've come to give life in all its fullness, which can only be found if we stay close to him. It's against all of that, he says, I am the true vine. He points to himself. He said the other great I am's, I am the bread of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, the life. He can say this because unlike Israel, he didn't fail. And even today, of course, uh, as much as we can criticise Israel, uh, I can certainly walk along and say, well, I, I, I get it wrong reasonably often. And I have to keep coming back to the true vine. And it's so important, isn't it, that we remain close to Jesus because, verse 4, you can't bear much fruit by yourself. Um, we, need, if we, do, we can do loads of things, but if we're not in Christ, if we're not connected to Christ, if we're not part of the vine, um, then we're just doing our own effort in our own ways, and it's, it's human-based rather than God-based. Uh, but he says in verse five, if you remain, verse 5, if you remain close, you can bear much fruit. 
and you can show yourself to be, verse 8, a disciple, a follower, because we're close to him, very close to him. Um, and our identity, as I said, verse 5, is the branch. You know, we, you are the branches, he said. I am the vine, you are the branches. The vine gives the life to the branch, which then bears fruit, verse 5 again. And I can certainly know times in my life, certainly before I was a Christian, where I lacked any kind of sense of real direction, uh, my uh, ethos, I suppose, was work as hard as you can, and whoever has the most money at the end wins. But in my experience, that doesn't work. Um, people I know that have tried that, it doesn't work. Uh, money is not what they're talking about on their deathbeds of people that I've, I've stood with and sat with at those times. Um, and as a Christian, when I became a Christian, I had to really wrestle with, with what does it mean to really give my life over to Christ? What does it mean to be um, a real Christian? I thought it was uh, putting it in kind of compartments. You know, I can, I can get to church on a Sunday, I can sing the songs, and I can pray, and I'm, I'm, I sort of mean them, but I can be different on Sunday, and I can do whatever I want. Jesus has paid for it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But see, Jesus is saying here, he's not, he's not just an additional extra. He's not an add-on. Uh, he can't be somebody that we use just to get our own way. He's not to be compartmentalised in our lives. I'm good at that. I can do that. And that's what I used to do. And I'd put him in his box on a Sunday. And uh, you know, I'd get him out Sunday morning, have a lot of Jesus, and put him back Sunday evening. And then get on with my life. I bore no responsibility. Grace hadn't taught my heart to fear at that point. Rather, when we receive him, we receive in life itself. And from him, we've got to be able to bear the evidence that we've got a changed life, a changed heart. And we do that because he promises to come in by his spirit. There's a responsibility on us. Once I got that, once I got that Jesus saved me from the penalty of sin, but when I read these lines, there's some responsibility on me here. I've got to respond in the right way. The evidence of being a true believer is wanting to follow him. He says. It doesn't make us a believer. We can't earn earn it by works, but the works are evidence of the faith. You see, I I hadn't quite got it, but I knew change had to happen. And it wasn't, I knew it in my spirit as well. It wasn't, wasn't, oh, I better do this to keep the rules. It's that, look, I know. Increasingly, it caused me angst. And and I don't know about you, but that's the way, for me, the spirit works. He, He shows you things and things that need to stop and things that need to start. And it's only as I came close to Jesus that I, I knew those, what those things were. He challenged me, and still does. Uh, we've got a garden. Uh, some of you have been there. And uh, there's two trees. Um, Eddie knows this. Eddie came around the other way. I said, just so you know, we're responsible for those trees. They're outside of our boundary, where the fence is, but apparently they are our responsibility. And uh, they're pine trees. Um, and in the week, there was a, a small welcome respite to the, uh, the great weather we're having. And it was really windy. Remember, it was a bit of a windy day. It got really windy. Um, and that's, you know, for everybody else in Billericay, that's probably a welcome respite. For me, that meant there were literally millions of little pines that have to be uh, hoovered up. I use my lawnmower. I set it on high because it's on fake grass, you see. I can't ruin the grass. It's not mine, it's yours. The church pays for that. So I thought, I better be careful, otherwise Eddie's going to tell me off. And so I, I put the lawnmower over, and it sucks up all the, all the pine. But the pine, so the, those pine needles were living, they were living when they was on the tree. But, but of course, as soon as, they've, as soon as they're disconnected, they're dead. They went brown. They were rotting. If I'd just left them there, they'll rot and probably ruin the astroturf. So I can't leave them there. I had to hoover them up. But they were not connected to the tree. A day before, they had life. They were growing. 
Uh, but the wind, they were ripped from the branches and they weren't alive anymore. And we need to be connected to the true vine. Otherwise, we're not truly alive. Uh, we're, we're, we're going through life in our own strength once again. It, we need to be connected to the vine. The sap comes from the vine, doesn't it? It doesn't come from the branch and flows its way, way back to the, to the vine. It comes from the vine that, that flows its way to the branches. If it's not connected, there is no nourishment. So Jesus knows this. and He, he says quite a few times, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, verse 9, verse 10, remain in me. Remain in me, pointing to himself again. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. And so he challenges us, doesn't he? He challenges me to stay very close to him, to keep him at very close quarters all the time because life is going to throw curveballs at us that we didn't expect. And I've got to stay close to him because the devil will want me distracted. He'll want to steer me off course. And he's warning us. He's, he's, he's warning them there. He's going to go. And he need, they need to stay connected. They need to. It's a distracting world. It's easy to get distracted, but stay close. And for me, that's just an awareness. Like I was trying to say at the beginning, Jesus is here. That is an amazing fact. He's here. He's, he's with you when you go from here as well. He says, I'll never leave you. He said, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. I love those verses. I love that, those promises that he never leaves me. And it's being aware of Jesus' presence in your life and being aware of his direction and his voice, whether it's through the word of God or in a compulsion, whatever. Um, In our prayer life, the word of God, the church, all these places, God is. You know, he said to Moses, didn't he? I am who I am. He just is. And Jesus is here with us and he's with you always. So we must always be aware of his presence and never be distracted by the enemy to think he's far away. Verse 5, he said, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. It's just a natural outwork. And if we're close to Jesus, we're going to reflect Jesus. And Jesus is attractive to some. To others, he's, he's horrific. You know, they know there's going to be massive change. But he, he says, if you remain in him, it will bear much fruit. will make a difference in society. And, and how much? He doesn't say just a little bit. He, says, he actually says it's going to be a big deal. In verse 8, he says, much fruit. And not for our glory. He says, it's for the Father's glory. We'll do many things for him. And it's not just numbers. In verse 16, he said, it's fruit that will last. You know, disciples, followers, committed people for Christ. And, and of course, that's what, the world, that's what the world needs. It means he's going to work on our character, but we've got to let him work on our character. We've got to stay close to him about our character. We'll be looking uh, early next year at the fruit of the Spirit, or not, uh, maybe a bit this year, fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, I've got to look at them. How am I doing in all those things? And the Spirit of God just illuminates uh, areas where I need to be uh, working on. But I can always say no. I can always be there, that person sitting with Jesus and say, well, actually, I hear all that, but I've got up and walked away. Or I'm distracted, and I'm not going to do it. It could be new birth in our evangelism, in our mission, as we stay close to him. The true vine who said, I've come to seek and save the lost. We, we gain a heart for those that don't have hope. You've only got to walk along a high street in Billericay or around the town, or I drive around on my motorbike or in my car or whatever, and you see people, and they look lost. A lot of them look lost. Some look really happy, um, but a lot of them are lost. And it's feeling God's heart for them. But you're only going to get that if you're close and you feel 
God's love for them. And what kind of fruit, I have to ask myself, do I produce? I need the Holy Spirit in my life, you need him in yours, uh, to change us from within, to equip us for evangelism, for mission, to see uh, the need in the world. Jesus says in verse 7, if you remain in me and I in you, you can ask whatever you wish. I mean, what a promise is that? You know, just imagine being that close in such communion with him. You, you know God's will so much that you could just ask him. And you see things happen. We spoke this morning a little bit um, about the... Uh, the uh, I can't think of the word. How, how enormous what happened with Miriam. You know, when you think about God's plan, it's almost a sense of humour. Pharaoh wants to uh, kill the uh, male infants of the Israelites. Um, then the, the Jewish family have a male. Uh, he's there for three months, and then he's put in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter, God uses Pharaoh's daughter to thwart the person who thought he was in control, plans. And uh, when Pharaoh's daughter needs, uh, needs a suggestion about who could nurse the baby, Miriam's there. So he's now using... Uh, the baby's sister. And you can see, how, how you, if I, that's the word I was going to use, incredulous. If I told the story, you say, that's incredulous. That, that, how does that happen? But God makes it happen. If we stay close to God, we can ask for things and, and we'll know his mind and we're going to see his work in action. And we see that in this church. We see answered prayer. We see things. Uh, but I wish we could see more. And I think it's really down to our relationship with Christ. We have to be close to him and listen to his words. We can come to him with praise, confession, concerns. He says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Again, remain in my love. The Father has sent his Son into the world. He's been part of the Trinity forever. That was no small thing. But he loves you so much, he sent him for you. And he wants you to love others so much, because he sent them for them as well. But his Son promises to teach us, to guide us, to equip us. The problem is, when it, I don't know if you've ever loved someone, they haven't loved you back. It's painful. Um, I thought I'd been in love many times, um, but of course, I only really knew proper love when I met Andrea. But I could tell you, that's, that's probably hurt me so many brownie points, isn't it? Cheesy. I think it was Ruth Graham, actually, the wife of Billy Graham, who said, I thank God he didn't answer all my prayers. I'd have married to seven other men by now. But when she met Billy, she knew God's perfect will for her. Um, but... Um, I've gone off now because I know I've been cheesy. I've lost my place a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, unrequented love. So God loves us, but to not love him back, to take his word, you know, take it or leave it, to be disdainful a bit, to say I'm not going to listen to the words of Christ, to say I'm not really going to invest in being close to him. It's unrequented love. It's, it's not real love. It's one way. God loves you. He's, he saved you, but... The rest of it, um, you know, cheap grace. I think uh, I'll just leave. <laughs> but twas grace that taught my heart to fear. We have a responsibility. And we have choices. So, you know, all of us have things that we know we need to change. But we've got to say, well, I'm going to change. I'm going to change with God's help. I'm going to ask him to fill with my spirit. I'm going to ask him to change me uh, in the areas where I'm most in need. I used to get really angry. I mean, I can do still sometimes. But I was so short-tempered. Uh, probably partly because of my job and quick decisions had to be made and if someone didn't, it cost money. But I used to be short-tempered. I knew God had to work on that with me. I could win any argument. Um, and then, uh, uh, which I think I've mentioned before, the principal of Spurgeon's College said to me, Ian, you can win an argument, but you really do lose the person and the kingdom doesn't grow. And, and that really hit me and I have to change. But I, I could have said, well, I'm not going to listen to those words. 
I'm going to walk away from them and carry on as I am. I'm not willing to change. But unrequented love is not good. Requented love, going back, going back to the one who loves us first. He chose you, it said. You did not choose him. He chose you. We think we choose him. We don't really. We respond because he's chosen us. But we've got to respond in the right way. Jesus is saying, look, if you honour me and love me back, you can do so much, so many things in, in, in your life. He says in verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. He's echoing from chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey my commands. What a challenge those words are. If I love him, I'm going to do what he says. If I'm not doing what he says, what does that mean about my love for him? See, it's easy to accept the love, the sacrifice, but to pay lip service to God. Most times when I counsel people about something that they know is wrong, they know that they know they're wrong most of the time. I can point them to the Bible. They could probably point me to the verses, but they do it anyway. Uh, sometimes they get angry. Sometimes they just ignore it. They're walking away from Jesus. They're not staying close. But I see other people that have really come under immense pressure, uh, real hardship, and really tough questions, and some of them unanswerable. You know, I haven't got the answer. And, and then we say, well, let's just bring this before God. And they just take God at his word. And as, as difficult as it is, they just obey him. And you see blessing in those situations. You see God at work in someone's life. And inevitably, they become closer to him. And many times in those instances, they look back and they say, I don't want to go through the situation again. It's really difficult, but I can see now God's presence in that time. So to finish, we we need to know our position in life. We are the branches. Jesus is the true vine. We need to stay close to him. We're ambassadors for Christ. We've got to stay connected, stay close. He's the one who gives us life. Uh, Every day is a gift to us. Every breath is a gift of God. And without him, when we try and do things on our own, we're going to falter, we do it in our own way, might even do some good stuff, but it's all in our own strength. But if we soak our lives in stillness and in prayer and coming before God, offering up our day, like we said today, uh, this morning, Moses, when God called him, his first word, here I am. There he was. He was, here I am. He had some doubts about his abilities and everything else. But first of all, he said, here I am. Here I am. He just offered himself. And we've got to soak our lives in the presence of Christ and offer our lives to him, trusting in what he's done and then trusting what he's going to do in your life. And to do that, it can be painful because sometimes he needs to refine us. I needed to be refined. I still do. But it's painful. Uh, It can hurt. And we need to be ready. This passage tells us that sometimes pruning has to happen. uh, But when you prune something, it grows. But it's painful. If you're a branch, I'm not suggesting you go home and, you know, get some uh, clippers, whatever they're called. I don't do gardening and prune your finger off. But you can imagine for the poor branch, it's probably painful. But then something even better grows out of that. Sometimes in our life, uh, we're pruned a little bit and be refined. And we've got to have lives that really do reflect Jesus to those around us. His Spirit would help us and equip us to do that if we let it, if we say, I want, to, I want to obey you and be close to you. And we do all of it because he loves us. And we, don't, we, want, to, we want to give that love back. Uh, we don't want the unrequented love. We want to be able to respond to him in the right way. Not because we deserve his love, but because we're a chosen people. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear good fruit. And we do this because in verse 14, Jesus calls us his friends.
but he wants us to be friends. A good friend is going to want to help the other friend. And, and for us, in this passage, it's obedience to him. Not an obedience that's a grim, forbidding thing, but one where we try to find true joy and true life. Um, a commentator said, to submit to Christ is no hardship, rather it's the road to liberation. Once we really give our lives over to him, we just know, we get to know his will, we get on with it and do it. And I, I suppose the question for me and for you uh, this evening is how, how much am I really submitting to Christ? How close do I really want to be to Christ? Because he's here. He's here. Uh, I don't want to just pay him lip service. I don't want to just sing the songs or hear the words and walk out and put him in his box until next Sunday. He's here. He's here now. These are his words that I've spoken. I'm just repeating, really, what Jesus has said already. These are his words, and he's here. And he's listening to me speaking, and he's, he's listening uh, and seeing what your reaction's going to be. He's here. His spirit is in you. He promises that, if you ask him. His spirit is in you. So are we going to let the spirit change us? I don't want to pay him lip service. So I'm going to ask myself the question, you need to ask yours, am I really submitted this evening? I want to be. Is Jesus your friend? Am I showing him that he's my friend, that I'm a good friend to him? Uh, This morning, as Moses said, really all we have to say is, here I am. Here I am, use me whatever way you want. Show me your will, I'll stay close to you. I recognise the responsibility on me. I know things have to change, but I will change them. And you're gonna, you're, you have promised your Holy Spirit to help me do that. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't leave us on our own. And so we've got to remain in him. We don't want to be like the pine needle on, on a bit of false grass uh, that's dead and just waiting to be hoovered up and thrown away. And we want to be connected to the true vine. And when we're close to him, I'll tell you the truth, you'll be able to face anything in life, anything, uh, because you'll be so close to him that whatever life throws at you, you'll be able to face it. Because you're not facing it in your own strength, you're facing it with him as well. We're going to sing a hymn, which only gets, in my experience, sung in two events. Um, One is at a funeral, and the other is at the FA Cup final. And it's abide with me. And we're asking, asking, abide with me. It's almost like put up with me, um, but abide with me. Fast falls to even tide, the darkness deepens. Sometimes it is dark, well abide with me. Please, Lord with me, abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee. So it might not be rosy in this life. Help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Verse 3, I need your presence every passing hour. Not just on a Sunday and put in the box till next week. I need it all the time. And it actually says, what but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? There is one that wants to distract you. But who's going to be my guide? Who's going to stay with me? Through cloud and sunshine, I'll abide with me. And then we can move forward with confidence. It carries on and says, I fear no foe, with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight, tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting, where grave thy victory? I triumph still, if thou abide with me. And this is the race that we're running. And right at the end, he still promises us to see us through uh, to the next uh, part of our journey. This is all preparation for heaven. Um, it's different words for it in the book, but um, it says, hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. And so even when we come to death in this world, we look at the cross and Jesus promises to abide with us. He's with us. He's with us in life. He's with us in death. And he's with us for eternity. And I guess my question for me tonight and for you 
is will I remain close to him? Will I be a witness for him in this world? So let me pray. And then let's sing this as a prayer. And just be, just be he's with you. Now, I really felt uh, strongly about this during the week and I, I kind of went over it a little bit before the service. He's with us. He's with us. And the Lord abides with us. We're, he's close. The Lord is near. Uh, let's not turn our face away from him. Let's turn towards him and recognise his power and presence in our lives. But we thank you for your word. We know that you were warning, really, your followers that there was a time coming when you'd be taken away from them. They wouldn't have the assurance of seeing you in your physical presence. You did say you'd leave another like you. But the importance of this passage, talking about remaining in your love, remaining close to you, we need that so much, Lord. And forgive us where we've turned away and walked away and gone in our own directions, but help us now this evening to say... Now, here I am, and I want to be close to you. And Lord, we know you'll see us through this life, and we'll say, know you'll see us through so much more. So as we sing this next hymn, pray, Lord, it'll be a prayer to us, and that you'd bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.